Well, welcome everybody to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Monday night, the 21st of December, 2020. Ten days left. The Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware. And we're at that point now where it's melt by day, freeze by night. We have, uh, at least at the moment where where I am, uh, clear skies and light wind. So we've got black ice forming. So definitely a, a need for the rock salt, 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, 631-756-1125. The website, omnitruevalue.com. Tons of rock salt, Long Island's largest rock salt provider, and all the snow melting products that you can imagine, mm-hmm. including OmniMelt, Petalo, Calcium Chloride Pellets. Someone told me that stuff is very good, by the way. And Mag Ice Pellets and Flakes, Shovels, Scrapers, Snow Blowers, whatever you need. It's Omni True Value Hardware of West Babylon. Mr. Rayo. We need the uh, rock saw to uh, help melt things down. Today we did something that, at least here at Putnam Valley, we hadn't done since last Tuesday, and that was go above freezing. We have had a number of days where the temperatures were at or below freezing, and uh, early uh, today, um, I think even before noontime, we, we cracked freezing, and I think we got all the way up to about 40 degrees, the dizzying heights of 40 this afternoon. So uh, it was kind of nice to see the temps go above freezing. We're going to be getting a lot warmer than that before the week is over. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's 60 or better on, on Thursday ahead of that cold front, especially inland. And then, of course, it turns sharply colder behind it. Uh, I want to talk about that front because it looks pretty impressive. Just want to uh, mention really quick, Robert Russo got Super Chat <clears throat> uh, rolling tonight. Thank you so much, Robert, for your support. And uh, 32 likes so far. On this, the Monday before Christmas. Uh, let's see if we can get that number up into triple digits here. Uh, uh, just hit the like button. And uh, if you're new to the channel, welcome. And you can subscribe to uh, the uh, my YouTube channel by just uh, using your Gmail account. And then you can jump on the chat board and join in the wonderful conversation that is underway even as we speak, Mr. Rayo. So, um... I was kind of I was looking at this this uh, weather front for Thursday, and especially the NAM this afternoon and the GFS two. I'm wondering whether SPC might have to make a little mention of uh, some severe weather somewhere in the eastern part of the U.S. come uh, late Thursday into Thursday night. I am curious uh, as to uh, your never to be humble opinion on this uh, particular subject matter. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that there's going to be uh, some rumbles of thunder. Um, it would be, you know, ironic if we did get some uh, thunderstorm activity because I think back to Christmas Eve, 1966, with the famed Donner and Blitzen snowstorm, where uh, we had uh, six or eight inches of snow fall in New York City uh, on Christmas Eve night, and also we had thunder and lightning. And uh, here we are now coming into a completely different scenario, not a not a coastal storm, but as you point out, Joe, a very sharp cold front. And there certainly looks to be enough lifting and uh, uh, gusty, strong southerly winds ahead of it should indeed push temperatures well up into the 50s to, at least here in Hudson Valley, maybe even touching 60. And then a sharp change to colder weather behind that front, it looks like, in time for Christmas Day. Now, I've been hearing people talk about, oh, we might see snow on Christmas Day. If we do see, in my opinion, if we see any snow on Christmas Day, it will be just a few 
snowflakes the, at the tail end of what is whatever moisture, whatever lingering shower activity there right. is. Right, and that doesn't down. that doesn't count for a white Christmas. No, it's it, it's um with the snow that we've had. I mean, it's destined to get all washed away. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, most of it may get washed away. The ski, the ski, the ski, the ski resorts and the shopping center parking lots won't. But um, you know, I, I I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think uh, you know it's going to be a slow process to get rid of the snow over the next few days. What would really help, of course, would be if we had uh, some fog to help really eat away at that snow. Well, we go. We'll have uh, those warming temperatures into the 50s on and a southerly wind. And probably some patchy fog as well on Thursday, so that will help. But I think there'll still be a little bit of snow left over on Friday. So I'm I'm told that if you, if there's any snow of significance more than just a trace, then it would count as a white Christmas. So I, we may very well have a white Christmas at least up here this year. Point oh point one. Yeah. Point one. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. So I'm thinking. Go just going back to uh, the the weather front and Thursday night. Uh, <clears throat> nine times out of ten, when fronts come through like that, uh, <clears throat> the models uh, might show that it looks like it changes to snow. But more often than not, uh, the rain just shuts off and it just gets windy and colder. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a chance that there might be even if it does happen, it's going to be so brief. I mean, we're talking about less than an hour, I think. Uh, if it were to change, uh, it's probably going to change in Western PA. It's going to change in Western New York. And then the change area is going to shift up northeastward as you head up uh, toward upstate New York and into northern New England. But I, I really doubt that we're going to see much of anything on the backside of this thing. Well, you know, uh, you may remember you were looking at the Canadian model and they had some kind of a wave of low pressure on this front. Right, which was the only way that there was going to be something happening if somehow the wave, or we, or a, a second wave were to develop. But it, it, it doesn't appear to me like that's going to happen. That it doesn't no. look like that's going to happen. No, it doesn't. So it's just going to be a very sharp, hard, cold front. And if, if Santa's watching, and why would he not be watching the Joe and Joe show? A very important programming note now for Santa. Well, he doesn't have to wait for the elves to bring him the GFS like that, like he does in, uh, in Rudolph. <laughs> Here's the latest weather report, Santa. <laughs> no dome of mine will be, it's going to be seen with a red nosed reindeer. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm sorry to break off from the, uh, from the weather for a moment, but um, they, Rudolph was on, what was it? The Family Channel, Channel Forty Nine on Optimum. Yeah, I just yesterday. watched it on. I watched it on Netflix. And they had they had a part which I never saw before, just before Santa takes off for the Island of Misfit Toys. Um, Yukon Cornelius, who is constantly throwing his ice pick up in the right, air and, and tasting and it, comes down and, he, and then he licks it. Yeah. And I always said, why does he keep licking it? And the answer came in this in this. I guess they 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 stuck this in or they did this, but you never see it on CBS because. They want to jam a commercial in, but he licks the ice pick, and he says, "He, I, I found a peppermint mine." <laughs> it was peppermint. <laughs> I, yeah, the, I, you got to get hold of a lot of these these shows. You got to get a hold of the uncut versions because they've been so badly butchered by by networks that have just you know done their best to make it more commercial than it is programming. 
You're absolutely right. And um, anybody, feel free to visit my uh, Facebook page, uh, Joe Rayo Weather. And last week I put a bumper. And you know what a bumper is. A bumper is, uh, you see these on TV now, and they last maybe all of 10 or 15 seconds where they say, Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or whatever, from all of us here at Channel whatever. Right. But back in the day, 40 or 50 years ago, Joe, they used to have bumpers that lasted a whole minute. And CBS had one where there are these birds up in a tree. Oh, that's that's it. that's such a classic. It is. I, that is such a classic. I hadn't seen that in years. And I think you shared it or someone posted it. Maybe it was you. Yeah. Um, yeah. back a few years ago and it just brought back so many one those were really that was just such a really well done Merry a guy Christmas up, a guy they, they're all singing they're all singing like a Christmas tune or whatever then all of a sudden they all stop and they see somebody coming a woodsman or whatever with a with a with a, with a big saw and it looks like he's going to cut the tree down but instead he takes the saw and he starts playing um uh God rest you see very gentlemen yeah. Yeah. yeah no it's a very yeah. I forgot what it's called, but if you, I, I think if you Google uh, CBS Christmas and then put in like 1965 he also did one. They they actually colored it where. Well, he did. Uh, the, you you talking about the, uh, the uh, was it called the line and the dot, a lesson in geom in in geometry in, in geometry mathematics. Did he do okay. that one? I don't know if he did that one. The dot and the line. I think he actually won an Oscar for that. Yeah. Oh, that's that's hilarious. That's such a great uh, little cartoon short. That is just Blackman, hysterical. Blackman, Blackman is still with us. I'm happy to say he's 90 years well, old. Well, God bless him. And he's still and he's still around. He also did a very famous Alka Seltzer commercial where uh, a man is arguing with his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And the stomach is saying, and he's always having pepperoni pizza. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, All back right. to the work. Let's get let's get some weather uh, going here, and uh, we can start off tonight with the uh, the U.S. satellite loop, uh, which is uh, well, not much going on really. We've got this weak system. Tonight, Joe dropping down from the Great Lakes, and you can see clouds with that. Uh, uh, again, at least out here, it's it's gone mostly clear, so we're getting radiational cooling down to 31 here in central Long Island in the hills, and there's black ice all over the place. Uh, there's not a whole lot happening from the standpoint of uh, of, uh, of current weather. Uh, underneath that disturbance that's moving southeastward, it's on the weak side. Everything's out of phase right now. We've got you know, we went through these streaks where you get that northern and southern stream just sort of phased together. And, of course, that helped to form that the, the big storm from last week. Uh, <clears throat> now uh, we're in this zone where everything's a little bit out of sync. So these southern short waves moved out without hooking up with anything from the north. So you get these minor systems. And I really didn't go for very much tonight other than maybe uh, late tonight or tomorrow morning from just maybe a passing rain or snow shower. And it looks like most of that's going to be south of New York City, down in uh, southern New Jersey, maybe uh, southeast PA uh, into Delaware. And then it moves on out. And so, uh, yesterday, a few places got a nice whitening of the ground with the disturbance that moved through. And I drove home, by the way, from Ohio, uh, 33 degrees, although 33, 34, 32, uh, a little bit of snow, a little bit of rain on the way and a lot, a lot of fog. 
And by the way, um, it was gorgeous. Dry, you know, I, I keep getting these wonderfully beautiful drives on these uh, road trips I've been taking, and uh, I, you know, I, I I've never done this before. But uh, I mean, I've driven across Pennsylvania before, but this was the first time that I've done it in the winter time, and I think it was the first time it was snow covered from one end to the other, north to south, east to west, the entire state, all the mountains. Deep snow cover in the middle. I drove uh, on the bottom arc of the, the 20 inch plus uh, zone, and it, it, they they got hammered out. They got hammered in that. In, there's, you can, there's no doubt when you drive there and you see how much snow has been plowed up. It, it's a lot. It has been, uh, you know, quite quite a week. I mean, we've gone from hardly anything to to a full scale winter. Uh, in, in the span of just uh, seven days. Of course, uh, the folks up in Binghamton still trying to recover from 40 plus inches of snow. And Joe, it just goes to show you that how, you know, we really need to improve, uh, our, you know, the, the, the computer modeling. <clears throat> the fact that we, I think up in that area, initially, the, we, were, we were going for like maybe a few inches of snow and they end up at 40. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we need to, we really need to improve uh, or fine tune the uh, the uh, computer uh, models here uh, because it really didn't do all that great last week. No, <laughs> and I think part of the part of the issue is the fact that I, when we look at the tele I, the teleconnections uh, in, later on, anytime the teleconnections are pushing the the envelope of <laughs> of how many standard deviations they are from the mean. The further they are away from the that 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 mean, the more volatile the models become, particularly when the NAO goes negative, and uh, that's where it's been since the beginning of the month. But, but and we're going to stay that way probably into January. I, I the Weather Service uh, took uh, took their old radars down on their website, and they put up this new interactive one i'm not quite used to it yet i don't know what my verdict on this is at the moment but uh, we actually have a little bit of snow aloft in parts of new jersey and a little small echo looks like right over me uh it's a little more active when you get back into pennsylvania and they're just kind of widening out uh, the uh, radar view across the united states i hit something where i'm, I'm getting all these counties uh coming up uh but uh the uh, weather on the East Coast on the radar is very quiet. Also the same across the Gulf states. And for some reason, I'm not getting the western half of the U.S. Let me see if I can make this. No, for some reason, it cuts off. Okay, I guess um, take, I still got to figure this out. It's going to take time to get used to this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% thrilled with it. Uh, just, just, I mean, I honestly, oh, thought the old, I honestly thought the old radar was better than this. But I guess, you know. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this. And uh, you know, if you want my never to be humble opinion, but I've I've been not crazy about things before, and then you know, suddenly I just kind of warm up to it. It's just a matter of uh, of getting used to. Now, if you are thinking about snow for Thursday on the backside of this front, uh, WPC, the weather prediction folks, they're not thinking about snow for the coastal plain, but they do have a fairly high probability of at least a couple of inches in parts of West Virginia, Northwestern PA, and a large area of at least 50% probability of at least two. 
And if we uh, go to four, let's see if they do anything with four. Yeah, a couple of small patches. Northwest PA and also uh, in West Virginia, they have a, a small area of 80% or higher probability of at least four. And you see most of the snow runs right along the border of, with Canada. Uh, the Northwest is even not seeing uh, much here with regards to uh, snowfall probability uh, over the next 72 hours. And this ends, by the way, on Christmas Eve at 7 o'clock uh, at night. NEPA Storm Chasers hitting Super Chat tonight. Thank you, sir, very much for doing that. 66 likes so far. Triple digits, folks. Bang the like button if you haven't uh, haven't done so uh, already. Uh, the um, the northern part of the jet stream, Joe, is still very busy. And I just pulled up the Canadian satellite loop. You'll see it in a second because you're, you're on a bit of a delay. Uh, but uh, we do have uh, energy rolling along. Uh, there's uh, the system from yesterday is, is passing south of Nova Scotia and heading toward Newfoundland now. Uh, the second system behind it over the Great Lakes, you see that moving southeastward. And then we've got all this energy that's streaming into the northwest and into southwestern Canada. And, of course, that is the seed that will uh, create the uh, low in the, in the northern plains that heads to the Great Lakes and the strong cold front that will trail from that low and move through here on Thursday. What do you think of... Um, I was thinking maybe this might be borderline wind advisory criteria ahead of it uh, on the coast and maybe even behind it. Uh, the gradient looks fairly tight on on both sides. I don't know what you're yeah. thinking about that. I think I, I agree with you. This this I, I'm not going to go whole hog and say that, yeah, we're going to be raising wind advisories or high wind watches or whatever yet. But it certainly looks like from this distance now that we could we could very well see. Uh, at least along the coast, uh, places that will be uh, experiencing uh, significant uh, wind criteria. And also, in the, uh, the, as you said, in the aftermath, as the front moves on through first thing in the morning. Now, you, you know, now, now you got my mind you know, whirling around here now about the possibility of uh, losing power of all things, either on Christmas Eve night or maybe Christmas morning. Uh, I hope that that does not come to pass. But uh, this this certainly is uh, a formidable uh, weather system that quite possibly could do that. If not, you know, well in advance as it approaches, maybe when it actually, when the front is actually moving on through very late Thursday night or early first thing on Friday morning, we could be seeing with those gusty and shifting winds. You know, you got that V pattern yes. in the isobars. Uh, well, yeah. that, Whenever that happens, we always seem to get hammered with something. Right. Rainfall wise from WPC uh, over the next seven days. So this takes us through next Monday night. So there are two systems here uh, involved, uh, but the most of this rain that your precip that you're seeing, the liquid precip is from the first one. And uh, every bit of inch and a quarter, inch and a half to some two inch plus amounts in Northeast PA and on up. Uh, uh, this is not going to play well, by the way, in upstate New York, because they got this little splash of two to three inches from about Binghamton, uh, east-northeast to just uh, past Albany, right in the heart of the area that got 30 to 40 inches of snow. Uh, that snow was not powdery snow. It was more of a, uh, it wasn't a, a, a pure wet snow, but it definitely wasn't completely powdery. So there's water content there. I'm wondering, Joe, with, the, with some snow melt and heavy rain, whether there might be some flash flood uh, possibilities on, on Thursday. The only, I think the saving grace is that it's relatively quick. 
It, go, it comes in uh, Thursday afternoon. It should be out, I'm thinking, maybe midnight or a little bit after, shortly after that. Uh, so maybe that keeps it from causing serious problems. But uh, the rain and the combination with rain and 40, you know, 30 inches of snow on the ground is not a good one. The the, uh, the worst of this looks like it's going to come, I think, after midnight. Now, that may actually be uh, uh, a good thing because a lot of people perhaps will be doing traveling during uh, Thursday afternoon and evening to uh, visit family or friends, or maybe maybe not considering the uh, COVID situation. But uh, the, uh, the heavy-duty rains are going to be hitting probably, uh, I think, in the um, hours around and soon after midnight on uh, Thursday night and early Friday morning. As to how much, I could, I could see, you know, in some spurts of uh, moderate or heavy activity, and maybe you throw in a little bit of convection, you might very well pick up in excess of an inch. Uh, that's certainly the amounts and, and the duration will certainly become clearer to us. Uh, in the coming days as we get closer to the event. All right, so we're going to take a look at the teleconnections. The first uh, one that we have up here is the Pacific North America uh, pattern, uh, which uh, simplified is uh, trough in the east, ridge in the west, trough at 160 west, and uh, there's a couple of other geographic areas that it takes into account. Uh, the uh, P&A is uh, slightly positive right now, and actually all the members... Uh, have it uh, maybe briefly going to neutral, but all the, the GFS ensemble members have this in a positive state right into the first few days of January, which is as far as the forecast uh, goes. And the North Atlantic Oscillation, the NAO, uh, actually has been mostly negative since the 1st of December. And is fork now there are a couple of members that at the end of the period of this forecast period go above the neutral line, but the vast majority of the NAO member, uh, uh, the uh, GFS ensemble members have the NAO negative, and some actually have it, uh, when we get to like minus two, uh, to me that's, um, you know, strongly negative. Uh, you start pushing numbers lower than that, and then we're talking about what I usually refer to as off-the-wall negative, and Joe, if you want to see off-the-wall negative, take a look at this Arctic Oscillation forecast which went negative on the 1st of December, has been strongly to somewhat off the wall. Right around the time of the snowstorm, we went off the wall negative. Uh, we, we've, we're going to come back a little bit in the next uh, seven days or so, but still negative. And then, uh, while all, not all the members agree, there's a fair number of those members that take this down almost five and six standard deviations from the mean negative. And that is going to be interesting to see what, what the outcome of, of such an extreme position. Uh, when, when a teleconnection gets into an extreme position, something nasty is going to be happening someplace. I don't know where, but there's going to be, there's going to be, uh, I, I would like, you know, use the guess to pay the phrase hell to pay. Uh, if this, if this winds up verifying again, I don't know where, but uh, when, when the atmosphere is that out of whack, uh, something's got to give someplace. You know, could it could be could it be any more, you know, diametrically opposite last than year what we had than what we had them last year? I mean, this when we that, were that off the wall positive on the right. AO for for months. Right, and that 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 AO uh, that positive AO helped to bottle up the uh, the uh, vortex, the polar vortex, right around the polar regions, and that's why it was cold, very cold, over the polar regions for much of last winter. 
but this is this is a, a totally different scenario coming up. So let's see what happens. Uh, fasten your fasten your sleep belts, Joe. Yes. <laughs> now I, I want to go over. I want to go back to we're gonna do a little bit of upper air here because uh, really, essentially, very, nothing has changed. We are in the same pattern. It ebbs and flows, but we're in basically the same pattern. And and what I find interesting is um, that. The uh, the night model last night, and you're going to see the models because of the the the, uh, the high volatility due to those teleconnections being stretched. You're going to see models going back and forth on in different directions from run to run. We saw this ahead of uh, ahead of the snowstorm last week, and we're seeing it again now. Last night's 60 run, Joe. I don't know if you got to see it, but. Uh, after this uh, deep trough goes by in the east, we've got this system that comes up for Monday. And I, there's nothing, no big deal about this. It, it just there's a, there's a short wave, another one of these southern stream short waves that moves on through. There's one that comes down to, from the north. They don't really phase. They stay separate. But what was interesting is that uh, the, the GFS, and actually a couple of other models have done this on odd runs, makes another 50-50 low. On New Year's Eve, and then of course the the southern stream. If you look at it in the Pacific, folks, it's one after another after another that comes crashing into the west and into California or the Northwest. Uh, this is not that different from what we just went through. There's a there's a low near Newfoundland, uh, and then there's a new upper low with the next system that's down in Illinois and Indiana, and it gets shoved out underneath us. And it wound up producing, at least the way the map showed it, was um, something similar. To, it, it was uncanny how much it looked like it. But uh, again, the um, the system for Monday, that's one we need to pay attention to because the system for Monday is, is the one that may potentially try to set up something near Newfoundland, a 50-50 low, a little bit of a block. It's not as strong as the one that we saw with the prior system, but this this we need you need that to happen in order to get the cold, get another cold high to build up in uh, up in um, in southeastern Canada, and when you look at the surface from that six Z run, which I'm going to bring up right now, uh, you're going to see really it was just it, it it was the it was almost the same. Uh, the primary is a little further north. There's a low that goes into eastern Kentucky. Secondary that starts to form in Georgia, uh, off the North Carolina coast. And you know, suddenly, uh, I got the uh, I got to put the frozen precip on here. Hang on a second. Uh, and suddenly, you've got a uh, a low sitting off the Delaware coast with snow up to Boston, snow on Long Island, northern half of New Jersey, back through Pennsylvania, down into Virginia. You know the load gets kind of trapped in the box there for a little while, but it it, it really looks it, it looks almost the same. And you know how I love to point out how when you're in a pattern, things may not uh, re repeat exactly, but they do have a tendency to rhyme. And I I would just say again, watch the Monday system because the Monday system will be the tip off as to whether we wind up with something like this, or as it was on the on the last run where uh, that feature from Monday doesn't really develop very much. So you wind up with kind of a flattish looking low that goes to uh, the lower lakes and uh, secondary that sort of forms in the Carolina mountains. And there's a little rain with it. 
a little low there southeast of, uh, of um, Nantucket by uh, New Year's Day moving away and there's no real consequence as far as snow is concerned because without that low up at 50 and 50 you don't have the cold high anchored in as strongly but it's an interesting pattern is it, 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 it and the other thing I want to point out Joe you can also have too much of a good thing you know, for all of you you uh, you snow lovers out there who love the negative NAO remember if it's too strong what happens well then you get something like this which is what the the day the run the recent run did which uh, late in the forecast period, had they, it has a low moving across Tennessee, straight east to North Carolina, and straight east from there. So you get snow in Virginia, West Virginia, parts of North Carolina, maybe up to Maryland, and maybe, maybe it brief, briefly gets to southern New Jersey, but that's it. And then it just slides out underneath you because the NAO is so strong, everything winds up getting suppressed. Well, somebody out there, I, I think it was, uh, yeah, Red Tape, just made the comment on the chat board. Those models are almost worthless that far out. Oh, no, no, I understand <laughs> that. That that. But my point in showing it is that we're in this broad blocky pattern, and you're going to see models go back and forth on in all sorts of directions, uh, depending on the strength of, of, uh, of those stretched out teleconnections. I mean, I will, I will say this. After the front moves on through Thursday night, there's not one, not two, not three, but if you really want to play it all the way out to the 384-hour, you know, of Prague, you've got four different systems that are rolling across the central United States to the Atlantic coast, uh, which has a potential to affect us in one way, shape, or form. So we're going to be going into a very active pattern indeed in the coming days ahead. And uh, who's to say that, you know, you talk about well, we went to the well once too often. Maybe, you know, three of those four will miss out, you know, because the uh, most of the action passed on by to our side. Maybe one of them may actually come close enough to give us yet another round of significant snow. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Split flow, northern stream, southern stream. And by the way, one of the interesting uh, things that seems to be happening is the La Nina is feeding that southern, that, that very active southern part of the jet stream. So if the uh, northern part, which is probably controlled uh, more by the polar vortex, um, were to get into a certain position uh, on a regular basis, uh, it, could get, it could get pretty hectic uh, uh, around here uh, as we head into January. I agree with you. We're, we're going to be active uh, in, in, into at least the first part of the month and maybe even beyond that, uh, depending on what the whole polar vortex thing does, which I'll show in a second. But I want to go back to this cold front here. And what it, uh, look at the NAM, Joe. This is at um, 10 o'clock Friday evening. Look at that squall line. I look. I saw this and I thought, is this April? Is this May? You know, that is that is really impressive to have a line like that. And it comes, it holds together. Comes it, well, it only goes out to 84 hours. The NAM is a little bit slower, and it's has the front coming through at like one or two o'clock in the morning, whereas the GFS has been a little bit faster. But as you said, V-shaped isobars always a sign that you've got a powerhouse coming through when the isobars are like that. Very sharp, uh, a, a very sharp wind shift going from 180 to probably about 310, 320. That's a that's a big shift. I'm looking here at the uh, at SPC, and they have for days four, five, six, seven. They have 
potential or predictability too low. And I'm just trying to see what they, you know, it's, it's amazing. Did, did they mention anything? A deep and mature upper trough expected to cover much of the central and eastern conus early day, day four Thursday. Primary low associated with this system will likely be occluded over Ontario, but secondary cyclogenesis is anticipated over the southeast with the resulting low, then moving quickly northeastward along the lee of the Appalachians into the northern mid-Atlantic. Some severe potential may develop ahead of this low and its attendant cold front as it moves quickly eastward. So they're thinking about it, just like we're thinking about it. But right now, they're kind of like, I'm, I'm not going to say they're, they're wimping out, but they're just saying it's, it's, it's a little bit too far in the future for us to be any more specific than that. But yeah, it, it, it looks like there could very well be some, uh, some uh, lightning and thunder and on Donner and Blitzen for right. United Friday morning. <clears throat> well, the um, uh, I, I just for you, Joe, I brought up the 700 millibar F gen so we could look at the Omega. On, yeah, uh, I, on, you know the GFS had what you what you have on the screen, or at least my screen right now. But as it headed further east, it kind of got less, you know, vivid or less yeah. uh, portentous. It's also the Omega seems to be. I'm looking at this, this is for uh, Thursday evening. So you got that. It, it, there's so much purple there. It almost looks like somebody just, you know, took a paintbrush and just painted, you know, one color uh, up and down. But that seems to lag behind. If you look at where the radar is at, at that time frame, um, the Omega is well to the west of where the thunderstorms are, which at this point are in eastern Pennsylvania and western New Jersey. By by zero Z. Is is that unusual? Because I really don't pay too much. I don't. I really don't pay a whole lot of. I, like, like recently, I have. I started looking at that much more. You know, ever since you know, since you brought it up. Yeah. Well, the, the it looks like the 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 radar is outrunning the uh, the atmospheric energy, so to speak. Right. You know? But then you look at the Nam. Okay. <clears throat> the Nam makes a little more sense because the Nam at zero Z has the line of storms forming very close to where the GFS has that Omega. And if you, uh, I'll bring up the NAMS Omega. Uh, I'll start with the 850. I mean, look, take a look, Joe, when the 850, so you see where the NAM has the storms and now, well, you, you can see it now. You see where the NAM has the storms and uh, that's where now, now the, the, uh, the 850 Omega is going to come up and you're going to see that the Omega matches where the uh, NAM has it, as opposed to where the, uh, you know, the GFS has the Omega in the same spot, but it has the storms well out to the east. This, right. th th does this argue then maybe that this makes more sense? That may yeah, maybe well, it's going to be a little yeah. bit slower? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, quite frankly, I, I would, I don't know why, but uh, I, I like the NAM. On, on this particular scenario, as opposed to the GFS, um, I like the the way the the NAM is, um, you know, showing it or displaying it, right. as opposed to the GFS. So yeah, it, well, let's see. Uh, I, I I you know I'm thinking back now. I don't think we've ever had a severe thunderstorm watch on Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve night around here. No, that but would be a kick. Did. That would be a kick in the pants if we did. Well, get one. it's 2020, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we just had a storm that produced 40 inch amounts over four states. Why right. not? By the right. way, we're two shy, two likes shy of a hundred. Can you make me happy? 
and give me a Christmas present, folks. And just two of you would hit the like button. That would be great so we could take it over 100. And then we could, you know, Joe and I will be content. So <laughs> I'm going to bring up the, uh, let's bring up the the uh, polar vortex. There was some pretty interesting things going on up here. I've been following this almost religiously, um, uh, almost run to run, just to see if, if this if this forecast, thank you, we're up to 102. Joe is very happy. One is very happy. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, but uh, take a look, Joe. Again, every single run of the of the GFS, and from what I understand, the Europeans have been doing the same. This massive uh, warming that's going on, this stratospheric warming event, and you can follow that along. You just watch that that very very dark red area is warm air attacking the polar vortex. And then all of a sudden, all the dark blue disappears because the polar vortex is weakening and stretching. Now, on this run, it doesn't split it, um, but there was a, there were a, a couple of runs. It seems like every other run try, splits this in two, where one center goes into northern Europe and the other center drops down uh, into Hudson Bay. Uh, Going to be interesting to see the, the, this play out because the weak state of either way, even if it weren't to split, the fact that the polar vortex is in the in the stratosphere is weak. If it couples down to the bottom of the atmosphere, it would be it is considered bullish uh, for winter weather in the in in the U.S. Um, that we not you're not exactly sure where, but it is bullish for winter weather, and it's uh, bullish for the idea of uh, cold Arctic air, Siberian air to uh, get released and potentially move down into Canada and perhaps down into the lower 48. No guarantees from the management, obviously, but um, this this is going to have a big, this is going to be a big player uh, in, in the in the coming uh, four or five weeks, in my, in my opinion. No question. Although I, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head because the CPC really hasn't shown the Climate Prediction Center really has not shown very much uh, leaning toward uh, any kind of a significant outbreak, either on their six to 10 or eight to 14 day out. Even on their uh, experimental three to four week uh, maps, Joe, they still mm -hmm. had uh, much of the country in above normal. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, are they looking at something or they're seeing it's something that we're not looking at or seeing? Because what I'm seeing here suggests that, yeah, they, there's going to be some 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 very cold air pouring into the uh, contiguous United States as we get on toward the end of the year and on into early next year, but uh, we'll see. Yep. Well, uh, what matters to snow lovers is that it's cold at the right time. So yeah. <laughs> just like it was with the the storm from last week, the uh, the high appeared uh, at the right time uh, in the right place. And wedged in the right way for many, but not all. Uh, if you're in uh, parts of coastal New Jersey, especially uh, from o from uh, Southern Ocean County southward, uh, you might um, you might disagree with this. Uh, if you're down in the Washington D.C. area and, and points southward, you might disagree with this. But given the time of year, it uh, it wasn't too shabby an event. Not John at all. Charles on the John Charles on the uh, chat board says. That he thinks the GFS might be too progressive with the system early next week and might actually be missing the phasing potential, and that's certainly a possibility. I, oh yeah, I, I I would say I would say that that is um, that is a, that is a reason that is a that's that is a reasonable uh, assertion to make. Uh, 
uh, given the fact that you've got multiple jets with multiple short waves and you know the models are going to have a difficult time timing things out from w one run to another. And you're just going to, um, you know, you just have to kind of follow the path and see where it takes you. Uh, that's really the best thing you can do at this point. But at least if you, rec if you recognize the, the broad picture uh, that, that's happening in, in, the, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, you're one step ahead of the game because you know you won't necessarily be surprised if all of a sudden uh, you, you find uh, that the models are doing something that uh, might be more favorable for, for winter weather on one, one, on one run versus another. Shraggy Stern uh, hitting the Super Chat board today, making three tonight. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. And 132 likes, Joe. We've got 310 weather fans on, uh, which is a... Uh, which is really nice on the Monday on Christmas week to get 300 fo folks on and there's no major storm threatening. Uh, that is, um, that's great. That's, uh, that, 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 that's great. It makes us feel good. No major storms threatening, but certainly a major cold front that lies in our future for, uh, for Christmas Eve into Christmas Eve night. And, uh, I'm sure that, uh, the interest will continue to, uh, to rise in the next couple of days. Now, just, you know, do, do you have any, uh, this week, we Wednesday is uh, is Festivus, <laughs> December twenty third. Right. Uh, but I don't think we're going to be doing anything for uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, are we? Uh, uh, I'm I'm around, so I'm not go I'm I'm not going anywhere. So um, if there's weather going on and you feel like jumping uh, doing a live show, we can do a live show uh, Thursday and Friday. Well, I'll be I'll be I'll be probably in the Bronix on. Uh, on Thursday evening, but Friday, right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to Well, your yeah, Christmas Eve is Christmas Eve, so we'll probably not do a show on Christmas Eve, uh, but maybe on Christmas Day in the evening when everybody's, you know, got the sleep, ha the uh, food, the food hangover, um, we can jump on. Uh, Scott Briller hitting Super Chat tonight, too. I was just about to mention the fact that the chairman, uh, Scott Briller, uh, who is usually the first person uh, on the chat board uh, every day, uh, but not every day because he's he's been busy doing uh, COVID deliveries and uh, we uh, always uh, uh, wish him uh, the safest of of trips when he does when he does that. Uh, but he left a, a very interesting statistic and this is for the city of Philadelphia in uh, the eleven. Now Philadelphia had got six inches from that system last week, and there have been <clears throat> eleven winters. Since 1950, where Philadelphia had at least six inches of snow in December, 10 of the 11 winters then produced an additional 10-inch-plus snowstorm. So there you go. You played so 10 by out game. of 11. That's, that, that's, that's not too shabby a stat, by the way. Right. Um, so uh, in New York City, by the way, the 10.5 inches was the 13th biggest snow in the month of December. For the month good. of December. Pretty good. And then, of course, uh, what uh, in my Central Park survey from before the, uh, the the snow season really began to roll, I said, any any anytime Central Park sees more than 7.7 inches of snow in the month of December, usually signals a big snow winter uh, of 40 inches or more. And in fact, in the, there were nine cases where we had 40 inches. So it's like 100% certainty that we're going to see a lot of snow at Central Park this season if you go by that statistical quirk. And three of those nine 
were three of the biggest snowfalls ever in Central Park. Three, three of the biggest snow years ever, including the winter of 95, 96, which brought Central Park 75 inches of snow. Right. And uh, so but, you're a but, snow lover. And that, Joe, I know we talk about how that rule really applies only to Central Park, but really, in, in this particular case now, you would have to say that if Central Park ended up with 40 or 50 or 60 inches of snow, that certainly everybody around Central Park would certainly have to end up with a, with a well above. You know, you would think, well. you would think. Yeah. Sometimes odd things happen in some years, though. But, yeah, you would think that that would be the case. Bill Rogers, uh, I, I don't know if you mean Joe Rayo for this question, because I usually you can't see it because I have the green screen background now. But I've got Lionel Train's boxes of Lionel Trains behind me. You want to know whether I put you put them up for the holidays. I, I didn't this year. Most years I do put up something. I'm actually thinking about next year as, or sometime during this coming year uh, to set up something permanently, some, a large layout, because I've got, I've got seven sets here uh, and tons of track and all sorts of, uh, you know, v- villages, houses, churches, gas stations, all the rest of it. <clears throat> so I can build myself a not, nice little city and then make like they do in New York and tax everybody to death. <laughs> uh, so um, on that particular note, let us do what will be the last, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the last Briller Jeopardy of, t- I drank wine before the show, so it's okay. just kind of cool. Um, the last Briller Jeopardy of 2020, uh, uh, Scott's taking a little time off from this and rightfully so. Um, so the category tonight, Mr. Rayo, is the state's lowest recorded temperatures ever. Within five degrees for for credit, so uh, we will b- begin with uh, the lowest temperature ever recorded in the People's Republic of the State of New Jersey. <laughs> well, I, I I seem to remember in 1994 that in the northwestern part of New Jersey, and I'm not sure if it was Sussex County, had some ridiculously low figure of something like 30, 38 below zero. Um, that is within I, five. It is within five. Yes. So, so, I, so I'm going I, to accept that as your answer. Okay. So you, you quit while you're behind. Okay. Uh, so 34 in Rivervale, New Jersey. Oh, right. uh, Next is the People's Republic of the State of New York's lowest temperature ever recorded. Uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, in Boonton, uh, upstate New York, or Saranac Lake, or whatever. Not young, but? Old. Right. Old Forge? Bingo. 58 below zero? Um, shave off just a little bit. 55 below zero? Uh, we will accept that. 52 is the, uh, is the correct answer. Now, let us go down to the Sunshine State of Florida. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think Florida has ever had below zero temperatures, although for Tallahassee, and for Jacksonville, I'm going to say single digits. I'm, I'll say, I'll say, let's say Jacksonville or someplace near Jacksonville, uh, eight degrees. Wah, 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 wah. It was Tallahassee. You got that part right. Okay. Uh, and the uh, temperature actually did go below zero there, minus two. Wow. And you wouldn't think that that would be possible since they're so close to the Gulf Coast. I don't know what year that was, but I wonder whether it was in 70, January of 77. 
Yeah, the year that Miami saw a couple of snowflakes and reported it. Right, just 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 a hunch. Okay, uh, re, uh, Hawaii. Oh, now that you know, are we talking about? Are we including Mauna Kea, for example? Well, that's the answer. Mauna Kea is the Mauna Kea Observatory. What's the te lowest temperature recorded there? Oh, Joe, they're fourteen thousand four hundred feet above sea level. What could that possibly? <laughs> Look at that possibly Wait, Do they have like Ibex up there walking around the sides of the hills? I, I don't <laughs> know. Um, I do know that if you want to visit the observatory, you have to make a stop at the 9,000 foot level to get acclimated because you, you, you know, you start. You know, oh yeah. You start getting dizzy. Oh, sure. Uh, 14,000. Uh, what would it? Well, for every thousand feet, you lose three and a half degrees. That's a dry adiabatic and. <laughs> so it's a 30 and a da, 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 80 degrees down at the surface and I don't know I I I, I don't know I, I really wouldn't know what they what what well you know it's doing. cold enough to snow up there so it's got to be less than 32 yeah but <clears> what I'm thinking of is uh, did they actually drop below zero Fahrenheit at one time I'll, I'll give you a help on this the answer is no okay so why don't I say why don't I say what I said for Jacksonville? Eight. Fifteen. 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 Okay. All right. Minnesota. Oh, well, we're talking about international falls, probably. Uh, and there, how about how about sixty-five below zero? Or something All right, close. Sixty sixty below in Tower, Minnesota. I'm not sure exactly where that is. Okay. Um uh, the uh, the state where the welcome to and you are now leaving signs are the same on the same sign, Delaware. Uh, and only on the turnpike, by uh, only on ninety five. I'm talking about with the signs. Right, right. Well, and and if they if they go back far enough, I you know, how about uh, minus minus eighteen. Oh, very good. Minus 17 in Georgetown, Delaware. There you go. Maine. Oh, well, Caribou, Presque Isle, somewhere up there. Not quite as cold as uh, International Falls or Tower, Minnesota. And uh, let's see if they, because if, if uh, Old Forge can get to minus 52 and Tower can get to minus 60, how about minus 56? Uh, minus 50, Clayton Lake, Maine. Virginia minus fifty. Minus 50. Down to? That's what it says. Wow. Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Virginia, I'd say uh, the, the higher terrain areas, mountainous terrain. How about minus twenty-three? Minus thirty in Pen Pembroke, Virginia. And uh, the the last one is um, Connecticut. Hartford. Ha Hartford. Um, Hmm. Minus nineteen. Minus thirty-seven in you know, North, Norfolk, North. Connecticut. Now, remember, Long Island is minus twenty-three. So, right, right. Um, I guess, I guess, under certain circumstances, maybe it's a radiational cooling kind of night that they got to minus thirty-seven. And uh, I. I just want to say thanks for all the support, to Joe and Joe, and the chat board. Briller Jeopardy returns on January 3rd, 2021.
<laughs> Sponsored by the Michael C. Pena Company. Company and the Spiegel the Catalog Spiegel Company. Catalog. Spiegel, Chicago, Illinois, 60609. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And Dicker and Dicker. Dicker and Dicker of Beverly Hills. <laughs> the first shot that I didn't get the joke until I was about 50. <laughs> Why are these people laughing? I don't get it. <laughs> It's not that I've led a sheltered existence, but I just didn't, you know, I just didn't think that they did those, that sort of together. thing on television. Yes. It's All like right. For years, I watched that one cartoon with Yosemite Sam having a big fight with Bugs Bunny on top of the train. And it wasn't until I was about 45 that I realized that the train pulled into Rising Gorge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or when uh, Sylvester and Tweety are in Italy with Granny. They're in uh, in Venice, and he's trying to catch Tweety on the uh, on the gondola, and the gondola goes underneath the bridge, and the bridge is low, and the right. the sign on the bridge says, "Duck you head, low low Brigida." And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know they're bringing back they're bringing back on MeTV Saturday morning Looney Tune cartoons. Yeah, I saw that. But how can they, 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 they are sanitizing, I heard somewhere they're sanitizing it, that Elmer Fudd is not going to be carrying a gun. Yes, I heard that too. I mean, just, I can't. I don't even want to go down that particular road. I, 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 I as you know, am a purist when it comes to uh, editing stuff uh, that was not the original intent of those who created it. Uh, you don't change what was created by someone else. I don't care what it is. Uh, you let it stand. I might, my, my, just my opinion, you know, you let it stand on its own and you know, it, it may not necessarily be a positive thing and it may not necessarily be a negative thing, but you don't take somebody else's work and mess with it. I, I have a real problem with that. And, and, have, and, and when it comes to, when it comes to stuff that was produced many years ago, you know, yeah, granted it, it obviously it doesn't necessarily fit the social norms that, that we have now versus then. But I still don't believe that you take something that was created by somebody else and change it to suit your needs. Because you know what? 50 years from now, somebody's going to take your stuff and change it to suit their needs. And you're not going to and you're not going to like that. One of the funniest go betweens between Daffy and Bugs and Elmer is the part where they where uh, he said, I, 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 you know, shoot me now. Shoot me down. Yes. You know, pronoun trouble. And he says, but I wanted to. Oh shoot my God! Out. But those are the Joe. Those are the the, the the among the best Bugs Bunny cartoons are the ones with uh, Bugs and and Daffy uh, shooting arguing between rabbit season and duck season. Right. I mean right. that's 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 the hilarity of it all. Those are right. if you if you ask diehard Bugs Bunny runners, uh, uh, Bugs Bunny fans, Looney Tunes fans, they're going to tell you that those probably are on their on their list of favorite cartoons. Uh, because they weren't, you know, the, the, here's the thing that bugs me about it. Uh, those cartoons originally were not produced for kids. They were no. produced for adults. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I don't know who had the bright idea to put them on for kids. Because, frankly, when you're a kid watching it, you just, you know, you laugh at the the coyote falling off the cliff and the little puff of smoke going up. But you really don't have a concept of what's what's going on. Um, these cartoons were, were were made for adults to watch in between movie features. In the days where you paid for two, you know you paid for one movie right. you got two. The people um, at Warner Brothers uh, they they called the uh, 
the people who put those cartoons together, Chuck Jones, Carl Stalling, Leon Schlesinger, they call that termite terrace. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. They didn't do, they weren't doing it for the kids. You think they, you think that one where, where Bugs is uh, in the uh, department store and uh, the floor walker who has a voice like the great Gilder sneeze. Right. <laughs> and, and he said, I'd like to see something nice in a pair of bedroom slippers. <laughs> Confidentially, so, so would I. Was <laughs> the, that was for kids? Was the store Lacy's or Stacy's? I always I, liked when they took you know a name a name of something you knew and they would change one letter. Right. Like, like it was you know Western Union was Eastern Onion. Right. Uh, and uh, you know Macy's was Lacy's and Stacy's, and they did it with a few other things too. I I, I always got a kick out of that. Somebody way back on the chat board, I'm not even going to try to scroll back, but was asking about the great conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn tonight. Yes. And, uh, for about two or three hours this afternoon, Joe, the sky was beautifully clear. Everybody was rejoicing. Oh, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. But on the satellite picture, the hole that that clear, clear sky was, was so small. And I yeah. said, I don't know. When we get to evening, uh, we may end up seeing the clouds streaming back in, which is exactly what happened, unfortunately. Yeah. So a lot of people missed out. But tomorrow night, it should be mainly clear, and you should have a good view of it. The only difference between tonight and tomorrow night is tonight, they were at their absolute closest. Tomorrow night, they won't be quite as close, but they'll still be impressively close. So if you want to see it, it's not over. You'll be able to see it tomorrow night. Jupiter, very close to the planet Saturn, the closest they have been in about 800 years, and the closest that they'll be until... 2080, and I don't know where you will be, Joe, but I will be watching it in 2080, well above the cloud deck <laughs> in 2080. <laughs> well, we could only hope and pray. Well, we can hope and pray. Yeah. Right. Uh, the uh, the uh, Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware of West Babylon, 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, 631-756-1125. The website is omnitruevalue.com. They are Long Island's largest provider of rock salt and all the snow melting materials that you need on these days where everything melts by day and refreezes by night. And you know what? You're going to run out and you're going to need more for when the next winter storm hits. And you know it's going to sooner or later. So make sure you take a visit to Omni True Value Hardware, serving Long Island and much of the tri-state area, by the way. Uh, they get a lot of folks from uh, all the boroughs. So uh, run out to uh, uh, to uh, Omni. And stop in next door, by the way, in the deli, Joe. You would love it because they uh, it's stocked with all this memorabilia from the 60s and 70s, the toys <clears throat> of the 60s and 70s. Uh, like Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Oh, wow. Remember Rock'em Sock'em oh, Robots? Yeah, I had, I had uh, they, got a, they have a mint set there um, sitting for everyone to see. It's just, it's astounding. Uh, and uh, uh, Johnny Lightning racing cars and, and uh, oh God, the Fl Flintstones caricatures and uh, games from that time frame, hands down. Stuff from the Ideal, remember the Ideal Toy Company? Mousetrap. Mousetrap. Yeah. Crazy clock. Yep. Crazy clock game. Exactly. Wonder art. <laughs> yep. All right. So you and I back tomorrow night at 730 Eastern time, folks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for those of you who hit uh, Super Chat. Uh, Joe and I always uh, appreciate it when you nail the tip jar uh, and uh, gets us an extra bottle of liquor every once in a while, which is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we will uh, we'll see you tomorrow night at 730. Good, good night, everybody. Good night, folks.